Today on First Lady and Friends, I had a great conversation with Curtis Bennett. He's with Just Serve. He's lived an amazing life, has some great experiences, but really talked about the stories that mean the most to him and how service is such a big part of our lives here in Utah. I can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. Today on the show, we have Curtis Bennett with Just Serve. Um, so happy to have you here. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, we've been talking about service a lot, and there's a lot of service organizations in the state. But um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Just Serve and the amazing things, but lots of other things. You do lots of other things, and before we get to all of that, let's just talk about you. Where'd you grow up, and and a little bit about your your story, your your family. Uh, tell us tell us about Curtis Bennett. It's an incredibly boring story, but before I get to that, I'm going to tell, I'm, I want to say one thing, and I'll answer the question. Yes. That is, I just applaud you for everything you're doing with Show Up Utah. It is a magnificent program and uh, effort initiative, and the kindness and the goodness and the and the service that's going on throughout the state is just laudable. So, congratulations! You. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, and I'll never go back. It is way too hot, and um, uh, my wife and I decided that a long time ago. It was a great place to grow up and and uh, really loved it there. We've got lots of family there, but uh, we like Salt Lake City, and uh, I think we'll our plan is we'll stay, but that's where I grew up. Mm, my grandparents actually grew up in Mesa, or not in Mesa. That's where they lived. That was their snowbird mm-hmm. home. Um, they lived in they lived there when I was growing up. They had a, a little place kind of down there by the LDS temple, mm-hmm. and then, uh, but they grew up in Snowflake area. Yeah, my mother lives there, and I have family that lives in Snowflake. It's a Snowflake. We're also probably a great related. Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. I'm a transplant though, or to uh, to Arizona from Ohio. So oh. I, I call it home because that's where I spent most of my informative years. Mm. So, so what brought your parents from Ohio? So uh, a divorce. Mm. Yeah, and so my mother uh, was had. I don't know what happened to her. She got an adventurous spirit. She had four children, uh, raising them all on her own. Uh, we were all very young. Uh, and she got an adventure spirit and said to her parents, I want to move from Cleveland, Ohio, to Mesa, Arizona. She saw a Chamber of Commerce flyer, thought it would be really cool to live out west where all the cowboys and Indians are. And she thought it'd be really great. And, and uh, so she sold everything. We sold everything we had. We were allowed to take one toy that was our favorite, and we loaded it all up into a 1964 Chevy Impala and took two and a half weeks to make a five-day trip across the country. Wow. Yeah. Basically a every, Route 66. <laughs> yeah. Stopped at every alligator farm and rubber band ball and large world's largest skillet and everything else along the way. Wow. So, yeah. That's yeah, incredible. What, yeah. a, what a brave woman. She was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some said she was crazy, but she was brave. And by the time we got to Mesa, we only had $20 to our name and, and – uh, she made it work. She made it work. Oh, that's 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. So growing up, um, was you and your your siblings mm-hmm. and and your mom and what did what was she when she got when you got to Mesa? What was the what did she go into? How did she figure things out? So the first few months, we actually lived in a hotel because um, we didn't have any place to go. And mm-hmm. she actually went to the purveyor of the hotel, the owner of the hotel, and told him after a couple of days that she didn't have any money. And so he let us stay there, and for a few for the first few months, we painted rooms, and he gave us room and board, and 
And then she found a job as a secretary for a school district. And and it wasn't easy. It was very hard for a single mom to raise four kids. And she went into nursing. And um, even though she had a career in nursing, it was really hard to make ends meet with four small children. And, and if it wasn't for the um, assistance of uh, uh, some really wonderful people in welfare assistance, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't have never made it ever. Good mm-hmm. people, good people in Mesa. Uh, that I just highly regard and revere as my heroes. So, yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a really cool story. And I think um, one that uh, probably taught you a lot of things and, and made you who you are. And It did. Uh, when I was 12 years old, a religious leader came to me and he said, Curtis, I need a strong back and a weak mind and you're my man. And he put me to work and and uh, he he wanted me to learn how to work hard. And there were days that I loved to hate him and other days I hated to love him, and but he just worked me hard, and uh, but taught me the value of work, and I'm really grateful to him for yeah. for doing so. That's amazing. Uh, so you're you're finishing your school there, and then what? What you're in Mesa until? So I was in the. Um, so after I got married, uh, I'd like to say I married the woman of my dreams, but I never had dreams that good. So. Uh, um, we got married and we had a few kids and then, then we took a job in the Kansas City area and moved to Kansas City for about nine years. Loved the Midwest, good people there. And then um, took a three-year hiatus to go to Chile and then, then, we came, then we came home to Kansas City. And then I accepted a position here with O.C. Tanner and was their vice president of retail operations and ran their, store here, their stores here. And uh, that's why we moved to Salt Lake City. And we really, really, really love it here. We love this Four Seasons we love the quality of life. We love the people. We love the whole environment. It's, our kids have thrived here. So. Mm. Tell me about Chile, going to Chile. I Chile. mean, how was it? I mean, it's probably – did you have children when you moved there? So mm-hmm. how was that? So our oldest at the time was 17 years old, and our youngest was three. And when, when the word came that we were going to be going to Chile, um, uh, they were all very excited my children all have uh, something of an adventurous spirit, and they probably were probably from grandma. Probably from grandma, <laughs> yeah. Probably from grandma. That's a good thought. <laughs> and um, they were excited about the idea of going to another country, learning another culture, learning another language. And when we got to Chile, um, we were able to put them into a school that was really just stellar. Great teachers. Uh, international school system is really quite uh, impressive. It's robust. And the teachers that are there, they're because they want to be there, and they're quite adventurous themselves, and they've got a lot of great ideas. And so our, our children just thrive there. And Kids got to play sports that you wouldn't normally get to play in the United States. I had a son who was on the national cricket team and another son who was on a rugby team. And, you know, they got to do things they wouldn't have normally been able to do there in Chile. And, and to get to know the people there uh, was um, a great blessing for us, and it was a lot of fun. I, I always, you know— I'm a little envious of of those you know those experiences of living with your family out of the country because mm-hmm. I think it, it it just teaches people so much. We've tried to give our kids some out of the country experiences on their own, just diff- in different ways, but um, not anything like that permanent placement there, sort of yeah. for for that many years. And they all learned Spanish, and it was good that they learned that language. And and when we were able to go out among the people. We always made it a point to bring them with us so that they could really see what was going on 
uh, in the communities and not just see from their home or from their school. It was it was a great experience for all of them, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen in their lives the the repercussions of that mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've, you know, Spanish has probably come in real handy for them. <laughs> Very much so. And then when one of our sons wanted to go teach uh, English in China, you know, the whole idea of going to another country and doing that was no big deal for him. For his wife, it was, you know, this monumental decision. And, and I applaud them both for making that decision. They live in, in China for six months. But now I have a daughter who lives in Germany. And, and one of the things that she likes to do while she's in Germany, her husband's in the, in the U.S. Army. She makes it a point to take her children to go see every single country they can go to. And she's got a, we've got a, a little uh, five-year-old granddaughter who's got uh, 20 plus stamps on her, on her passport. I can't even believe that. So, <laughs> Well, and, and in Europe, everything's a little, you know, pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. I have a friend uh, who just, I think they've just moved back. Her, her husband's a Canadian citizen and actually works for the Canadian government and it was stationed in Latvia for the last several years. And I, that's, I mean, I just follow her on Instagram and I just see same thing. She has two little kids and every weekend it seems like they were in a different country and, and having experiences with their kids, which is powerful. It is fun for them and they've learned a lot. Yeah. And and I think um, I'm guessing that your kids, because of that experience and, and your family has, looked at that, looked at service and volunteerism in a different way as a result? You know, that's a a great statement. And uh, I love my kids. I love them all. Uh, I believe I hit the proverbial jackpot when it comes to children. And I feel the same way when it comes to all of our in-laws. And then even more so with our grandchildren, we love them more, kids. (laughs) And uh, But you're right. Our, Our children have a very kind heart and a kind spirit. And they're quick to jump in, and they want to do what they can to be of service to, uh, um, you know, their fellow man. And I have a son when he when he came home from a religious mission, LDS mission in in uh, Romania. Uh, he was connected with a um, orphanage there, and he decided on his own he wanted to do a rollerblade. No, I'm sorry, um, a skateboarding excursion from Santa Rosa, California, to San Diego to raise money for this orphanage. He raised about $10,000, if I remember right. But he rode a skateboard all the way down the Pacific Coast Highway from Santa Rosa to, to San Diego, 650 miles, and raised money all along the way. It was really, really cool. Dangerous, uh, fun, uh, adventurous, uh, hair-raising sometimes, but uh, I applaud him. And, and all my kids are like that. So That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Love it. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about your professional journey. So you mm-hmm. went from uh, you you were in OC Tanner, or you were you went to Chile and mm-hmm. then you were at OC Tanner. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that, and then maybe the transition that you've made since then. So when we came here to Salt Lake City, we came to go work for that phenomenal company, OC Tanner, which is an icon, uh, seminal c- company here in Utah. And Obert Clark Tanner was truly one of the great. Uh, byproducts of this state and the, the company as a whole is a phenomenal company and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. When the time came for us to go and and uh, I, I, had a, I was at a crossroads. Did I want to continue selling Rolex watches or did I want to do something really cool? And so uh, an opportunity was provided to me. I was asked by a dear friend to go talk to a charitable organization called Cause for Hope. And they had operations in 14 different countries uh, mostly throughout Latin America, and I spoke Spanish, so I thought, let's give it a shot. 
And um, when I when I went to go work with them, uh, they had an incredible model of mentoring and helping people to uh, pull themselves out of poverty into sustainable sustainable self reliance. And it was a truly amazing adventure. And then we got tapped to go uh, again out of country, and my wife and I went to Mexico City and lived there for a couple of years. And uh, we were responsible for the missionary training center there in, in Mexico City. And then when we came home, I wanted to go back into this charitable uh, initiative and went to work for Mentors International. Mentors International has been in existence in Utah. It's a Utah company. And uh, they've been in existence, I think, for about 33 or 34 years now and have done amazing work throughout the Philippines, throughout Latin America, Nepal, Ghana, throughout the world. And again, microloans, but mentoring to help people get to the points of uh, sustainable self-reliance. And I have a thousand, thousand stories I could tell of some of the most amazing things that people have been able to accomplish through the efforts of really good people. And even though there's this really great local team that that, that uh, is here in Salt Lake City doing the, the great work that they're doing currently, there are 250 to 400 mentors worldwide that are boots on the ground working with their people day in, day out and helping them uh, pull themselves out of you know uh, systemic and multi-generational poverty. It's really cool stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, I've there's so much... The more I learn about nonprofit work um, and being in this for the little while that I have, um, just the I love the idea of mentors because um, that it always comes back to that. Everything mm-hmm. that I you know I talk to organizations, we talk to groups and 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 vulnerable people, and what you know obviously funds um, resources, all the things that people need um, you know to be seen, to be to be lifted up in different ways, but it. For me, it just it always circles back around to mentorship, and how how crucial that is. So, without a doubt, if if every one of us were to go back and analyze our lives, we'd be able to identify, if we're honest with ourselves, the really great mentors of our lives who helped us to be able to go from one level to the next. Um, and uh, the, the beauty about what Mentors International is doing is, although they may give a micro loan to a, a an individual or to a family. It comes with the mentor who's going to walk by their side for six months to a year to 18 months, however long it takes for them to be able to not only satisfy the loan, but to be able to to learn the skills of self-reliance so that they can pull themselves out. It's not a matter of self-reliance. It's a matter of self, uh, sustainable self-reliance. Mm-hmm. The key is, do they become self-reliant today and will they be in six months from now and two years from now? And if they're not learning the skills and if they don't have a mentor to help them, it's going to be far, far more difficult for them to be able to achieve those levels of – to break free and usually from those multi-generational cycles of, of, of poverty. So. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you know there's so much that goes into it with um, – Governments and, and different things like that are that mm-hmm. you know you have to overcome, but that mentorship piece is really important. Um, I want to get into um, our work together at Just, Just Serve, and I'll do mm-hmm. that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends with Curtis Bennett with Just Serve. Um, so we were talking off mic a little bit, and you were sharing a story. And before we move on to Just Serve, I want to go back to this idea of micro loans. And we're ta- I want I want you to first of all explain what a micro loan is um, with your with the volunteers and what 
your mentors international talk a little bit what the the micro loan is and then tell me tell us the story that you okay. just told me <laughs> well so micro loan is a very small loan usually they're a hundred dollars or less and for the most part they're to help seed a small micro business and uh, unfortunately a lot of these countries with extortion a lot of different things and even with employment uh you can get people who go to work and they'll work for long periods of time and not get paid. So they don't trust the system. So the the levels of entrepreneurship are very high because they know they can trust themselves. So they'd really like to start their own business. And so a small loan to help them seed their business. And the, the challenge that you get with, with microloans is not getting people to live from one microloan to another, to another, to another, to another. You want to get them out. And so that's the purpose of the mentor, to help them learn the skills that they need so they can get out and they can be on their own. So I was telling you this story and I showed you this picture. This is one of my favorite stories of all time. And I said, I've got a thousand, thousand stories I could tell, but I just love uh, this story. And I wish the, I wish our listeners could see this picture because this is a beautiful, beautiful family. But this sweet little gal, she um, lost her husband uh, due to a work-related accident. He was electrocuted and killed. The company felt uh, bad about it, so they gave her $25. And said, we're sorry. And she was left, you know, uh, uh, holding the bag with these four children. And she lived in a tiny little home with uh, just one bedroom. And they were all sharing the bedroom, barely making on it about 40 to $50 per month. This is in Peru, in, in Lima. And uh, just this wonderful woman who was not afraid of hard work, not afraid to work hard. So her goal in life was to be able to get up in the morning and to do what she had to do, but she wanted to be there when her children left for school, and she wanted to be there when her children came home from school. So she decided that she was going to sell freshly uh, freshly squeezed juices. So she'd go down on the market early, 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 be back before her kids would get up, get them off to school, and then she had this rickety old cart that she would try to wheel out as far out as she could. But what she was doing is she was selling juices in her poor neighborhood, and there was no money in that poor neighborhood to buy the juices, so she was really failing. So when she met the, the the people at Mentors International, they sat down, assessed, looked at what she was trying to do, and they asked, "What do you What do you need?" She says, "I need a bike." And I don't know if you've seen those three wheel bikes in 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 some of the Latin American countries. That's all she wanted. She said, "Well, how much do you need?" And she said, "For sixty five dollars, I can get a bike." And so they gave her a loan for sixty five dollars. Um, she needed to pay it back within a year. Uh, very 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 tiny interest rates. But um, and the per- the reason for the interest is because people have to value what they're being given, okay? And so uh, it's not the interest rate; it's just the, the fact that they need to value what they're given. So she bought this three wheel bike, and she put all her equipment on it. She was able to get to the market easier, get back easier. But then she was able to wheel out into the downtown area of of her town, of her city, and to be able to set up shop. And to be able to sell to business people, to passersby, and she was she went from uh, forty to fifty dollars a month within relatively short amount of time. She went to three hundred dollars a month and radically, radically changed her lifestyle. Paid the loan back way early, and uh, was able to pull herself out of that. And th- this has been some time now, and I've been able to do some follow up with this family. They've done really wonderfully well. And again, this gal was not afraid. She was not afraid to work hard. She just wanted to be there for her kids more than anything else. Mm. It's it's stories like that that I think um, help us to understand the listening to people's needs rather than going in and telling them what we think they need. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tried to think about that with with you know show up with 
with our service organization, what what do people need? Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting that <laughs> I know it's kind of radical to think about you know just actually listening to people <laughs> and their their needs. <laughs> you know what their their stated needs are. One of my favorite TED talks in the whole wide world is entitled. I don't remember. He's an Italian, but he, it's called "If You Want to Help, Shut Up and Listen." It is phenomenal. So I encourage, I encourage anybody to listen. To that it's it's really good. But yeah. it's exactly right. Well, and it's interesting. We've done, you know, when Spencer was a lieutenant governor, um, he worked a lot with the folks that are working on in um, intergenerational poverty mm-hmm. here in the state. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of stories, you know, we try to figure out, you know, welfare and, and, and you know, helping people and, and how do you do this and child welfare and how do you fix some of these issues and get upstream. And it, and one really incredible moment, I was in a meeting with him and I remember, think, you know, listening to them and, and just like this family, just like this woman in Peru, there's, there's, if sometimes it's as easy as, I just need somebody to help me get my kids off to school in the morning. Like maybe that's all I need. Then I could be to work on time. Then I will have the job that I can, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that fall into place after that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it really is just that simple. Um, and again, listening to what they need instead of saying, oh, well, I'm sure you need this. I'm sure you need, you know, food stamps or blah, 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 you know, all these things. When she, this, you know, a lot of times it's as easy as, could somebody just come over and get my kiddos to to school? You know, that's that may be it. Then I can stay in my job. Then I can, you know, all the things that come after. But I think it's really important. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Sometimes we just need to stop and listen. And oftentimes we make the we try to make the solutions far more complicated than what they really are. Usually the solution is far simpler than what we think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And people people are willing to work. Mm-hmm. I think oh, there's yeah. a lot of stigma around, mm-hmm. you know, to people. You said she's a hard worker. I think. Mm-hmm. I would I would say that most I think the majority of people are. This woman would have worked me into the ground. She she really works hard. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. And her kids are learning a lot yeah. of lessons from mm-hmm. from a really strong woman mm-hmm. who and a mother who's yeah. who's looking out for them. Let's let's talk about just serve. Let's just talk about what it is. Okay. And what it isn't. Okay. <laughs> Just Serve is a magnificent and very robust uh, online platform that allows people who have an interest to serve to find volunteer opportunities. And so uh, whether it's the Tiny Tim's Toys for Tots to the St. Vincent de Paul uh, dining room and which dining I, kitchen. Which I have to say, okay, going back to Tiny Tim's Toys mm-hmm. for Tots, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was in Morocco. Mm-hmm. We had just had them at our, our service fair in, mm-hmm. at Thanksgiving Point, mm-hmm. and I had talked to him, and I'd seen the cars, the little toys that they that they were putting together and making there at, the, at our event. And not two weeks later, I was in Morocco with our with our Utah National Guard. Uh, we went out to this village. Uh, it's not even village. It was kind of out in the nowhere where our National Guard folks had set up a humanitarian center basically with with doctors and dentists and, um, you know, ultrasound machines and all kinds of, you know, so people could out in this really remote rural area in Morocco could come and get medical care for most most of them the first time in their lives. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're out there in the middle of Morocco and I'm walking around and I'm look, you know, trying to talk to little kids and we were having this experience. And I went over to this one tent and she's like, well, I've got all these toys. So if you want to go give these to some of the kids in line. And I picked up this toy and it was tiny Tim's tiny Tim's. <laughs> uh-huh. And I saw the little stamp and I mm-hmm. said, can you believe this? I am here in Morocco and I am handing a little boy a tiny Tim's little toy. And I'm like, they do I, great work. I watched it happen. Yeah. Like I, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. They do great work. And so, uh, organizations like them uh, are listed on JustServe. We have 154,000 registered users in Utah, just in Utah alone, the most volunteer-prone state in the entire uh, nation. And uh, right now we probably have close to 1,000 different projects that are available. And whether someone wants to go on site, whether they want to do something at home, whether they want to do something virtually – there's literally there's a there's a project virtually for every circumstance and for every age group and for every group, and it's really quite significant. Uh, you said it yourself the other day that the the way to to eliminate some of those hard feelings and challenges and the way to get those to dissipate is to have heart to heart experiences with one another, and um, that's what service does. And the whole purpose behind Just Serve is to try and get us outside of our normal routine. Outside of our the confines of our of our of our neighborhood, so to speak, and to get us to go outside and to be able to serve people within our community that we may not know. And again, I've got a thousand thousand stories that I could tell you of some of the really great things that are going on. So, for example, during the nine eleven day, which we may or may not talk about, but with the nine eleven day of service, to be able to go to the Bountiful Baptist Church on the nine eleven day of service. And to see congregants from that church, congregants from other churches of all denominations, members of the Muslim community, members of the Latin community, and uh, all working shoulder to shoulder to do a project at this Baptist church is incredibly heartwarming. And whatever social divides or political divides or socioeconomic divides just are gone. They dissipate, as you said, and 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 they disappear. And suddenly... Everybody has a common objective, and everybody's doing uh, a great work. And the, the purpose of Just Serve is to give people that opportunity to be able to go out and do uh, projects like that, whether on, on, on an individual scale. And I've talked to young people and old who just get on Just Serve and go find a single project for themselves or your family. And I've spoken to many families who've done that, or if you're a religious group or just a club at school, just go do it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think people realize the the resource that it is. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've told the story probably, but that, you know, I had my sister in law who was in charge of a youth group that was traveling down to Bluff, down in it was San Juan County, mm-hmm. and she said, "Do you know, you know, what we could do?" And I literally just got on Just Serve and <laughs> said, "Well, here's this, this, and this, and right. that zip code, and here's some opportunities." And so I, I don't think people realize how crazy easy it is. Thank you for saying that because <laughs> it is, and and I appreciate that. But uh, throughout the entire state, if somebody does a search uh, by by their zip code, you can find any number of different projects that are available to do. And um, there's there's great satisfaction in getting out there and and helping in that particular way uh, with so much challenge and with all the disagreeing and we can disagree better. And, and uh, with all of the, uh, the anger in the world that's out there, uh, all of that seems to disappear when we're 
shoulder to shoulder and side by side serving. Whether you're receiving the service or the one giving the service, it's just heartwarming. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've, I've said this too, but I fully believe that people will either find belonging in hate or they'll find mm-hmm. it in really positive ways like service. And yeah. I think serving in our communities, we have to. We're at the point, I think, where, um, I mean, that's why I disagree better is, you know, why we, it's the reason we've started that initiative with mm-hmm. the NGA because, we're just seeing you can't – we can't keep down this path. We we can't keep going down this path. It's really destructive to our country, to our, to our families. Um, you know, we – we're – a lot of us are at the point where we can't even have conversations in our families. And that that is so true. And so I have never been yet that I can think of to a single project – uh, where people have been out there working together where an argument ensues, where people get upset at one another. And it's really interesting. So we were down at the Hindu temple here in, in West Jordan, South Jordan, and I didn't even know it was down there. And there were 95 people there. And they went there to go serve and to, to, to clean up on the grounds. But unbeknownst to them, and I don't think they were fully aware of what was going to happen, then they got this tour of the of the temple and that was an incredible cultural experience, not only for for the adults like me, but for the young kids. It was this incredible experience. And then again, I think mostly unbeknownst to the people that were there, the entire Indi- the, the, the the Hindu community put together a, a, a classic Hindu meal for the whole group, and they all went in and they just had this incredible meal. So they went there with the purpose of going to go go serve, but they walked out with a cultural experience that was so broad, so it just awakening. Yeah. No, and it, it's been my experience too, just on a personal level. When I've sat down with somebody, you know, I've I have friends that are that are Muslim. I now have friends that are um, all kinds of different religious experiences mm-hmm. and backgrounds. I have people, you know, who who I know vehemently disagree with me politically, mm-hmm. and I sit down with them, and I just am at the point where I. I I don't hold the, to those political ideologies quite so tightly because now I'm seeing this from somebody else's point of view. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's so interesting. I've had, I mean, I had conversations with people that are, you know, while you're serving, while you're talking to people and, and uh, you know, at the YWCA did a project down there. And, you know, I'm talking to people that are experiencing things. Um, you know, maybe an unwanted pregnancy or something that's happened, you know, and then I'm starting to see that from somebody else's mm-hmm. point of view. I'm mm-hmm. starting to see like what that means for that person and how they, they adjust to this and how they, you know, if it's poverty, if it's if it's not poverty, you know, there's just so many things that people are experiencing that I haven't experienced. Um, and, and, and now I can see the world through their eyes and I, I just think it's the answer. So I know you were out there when all the refugees were coming in from Afghanistan, and so were we. And so um, when you were there and you were you were talking with them and feeding them and helping them to get settled, and you started to hear some of the absolutely harrowing stories that so many of these people had to live through, it just it, it opened your eyes completely to what's going on in the world and the need out there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, that's where, you know, I've— Again, I find friendships. I find joys. I 
it it flexes my compassion muscles. Mm-hmm. I like that. And they're they're there. I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Flex my compassion muscles. I'm gonna use that. Sometimes they go dormant, and we yeah. have to yeah, we I have like to that. exercise yeah. them. Yeah. And I like so, that. it's it's powerful. I, I don't know anybody that yeah, like you say, that walks away um, worse off if they you know when they've decided to. Nobody's to serve turning somebody. over police cars and burning them at a, at a service project. <laughs> no, no, no. Just I've yet to see it. I've no. yet to see no. it. No. <laughs> So I want to talk more about 9-11 Day of Service and some other things that are coming up. And we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends with Curtis Bennett, Just Serve. Um, We we want to talk about 9-11 Day of Service. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before in years past, and it's coming up again, uh, 9-11. And just that moment that we all had as a country of – of really, you know, horrific thing happened, um, and and we had a moment together as a country where we kind of came together, mm-hmm. which I don't think has happened really since. And so I think we need, even you know, the pandemic sh- should have been, <laughs> but because it was so unique that we actually physically had to be a part. I just think we all became so unmoored mm-hmm. that we we kind of not being again not being human to human not being with each other physically I I think it pulled us apart um emotionally and in lots of other ways and we we kind of went to our political corners and our political ideologies and it was I mean even in families every everything kind of pulled apart so I love the idea of 9-11 Day of Service because instead of re- remembering the horrors of 9-11, the idea really is to remember that time when we all came together and let's let's be like that again without a major disaster, without a major uh, traumatic event happening to, to us. So talk a little bit about um, what we're doing there. So you're spot on. And one of these days, you and I have a discussion over a dinner table with our families and talk about the politics of what could have happened during COVID. But yes. <laughs> um, the, uh, the 9-11 day of service is exactly what you're talking about. And uh, you and I both had the opportunity to talk with uh, David Payne, who's the founder of the 911day.org uh, foundation and uh, he lost people and his co-founder lost people on that fateful day and uh, the whole the whole purpose the whole purpose of establishing this national day of service was to not really uh, memorialize the tragic event but to remember the great uh, effort that was made by the country as a whole uh, in the aftermath Crime went down, service went up, everybody was helping one another. We were all engaged together in this in this tragedy, and we all wanted to be there for one another. And it was amazing to see what happened as a result. So the only two um, national days of service, re- federally recognized uh, days of service are Martin Luther King Day of Service, and then now the 9-11 Day of Service. And it was interesting, the two bill sponsors – were Orrin Hatch and Ted Kennedy. So you got two diametrically opposed individuals who came together in in a great symbolic way to bring uh, this to fore so that we could have this national day of service. And so uh, this opportunity for us on 9-11, yes, is an opportunity for us to honor first responders, honor our veterans, 
honor the people who who did so much to help out on those days and then suffered in the aftermath. But it's also this opportunity for us to show what the American people were willing to do immediately following and, and just get in there and get the work done and help one another and be of service to one another. And what I really like about this is that now we – this is, I think, the – the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 Day, it is. And um, so now for 20 years, millions upon millions upon millions of service hours have been given because of what happened in 9-11, at 9-11. And one of the things that I really like most about what happens here in Utah is we don't just come out to serve uh, in, in, in small groups. We come out in droves. And when you go talk to David Payne, who's the founder of this organization, he says, he says Utah's the poster child for what we want uh, the 9-11 Day of Service to be. So in the last two years, what we had, I, I've been able, privileged to co-chair this 9-11 Day initiative in the state of Utah. This is my last year to be able to do it for the third year. And uh, they're going to give it to somebody better. And uh, But every year we've been able to bring uh, roughly, we, we were going to be excited if we had 60 or 100 projects. Last year and the year before, we had over 300 projects, 60,000 volunteers, millions of service hours, millions of dollars in economic impact, tens of thousands of hygiene kits and food kits and and fleece blankets and socks and blood that was donated and uh, uh, I went up to one of the blood donation places and they said, we have never been wall to wall, standing room only, uh, like we have been on this particular day. And it's amazing to watch. Uh, Whether you're in St. George or up in Logan or Vernal or Wendover and everywhere in between, you've got these amazing projects going on and people uh, coming together. And as I mentioned about the Baptist Bountiful Church, what's really fun about this whole project, about the 9-11 Day of Service, is watching these diverse groups come together. So you've got, there's 60,000 Muslims in Utah, okay? Uh, I think last I heard there were 300,000 Mexican nationals. Uh, uh, I used to be the honorary consul of Chile. There are five or 6,000 Chileans who live here. And you bring all these different groups here here together, and they're willing to get together and serve one another and uh, serve side by side. It's really quite inspirational. Yeah, I I just... I don't think people really realize, you know, what, what how powerful this is and, and how much work goes into this um, and how much good can be done even in just one day. We hope there's, you know, I, I love my friend Pamela Atkinson who said, you know, fits of charity usually around Christmas time. <laughs> she, she, you know, we, we don't want to always have just fits of charity, but just that this is a way of life. Um, and I love that Utah has been recognized as as the perfect spot to to really launch this this campaign to really launch this project and and to me it's it it goes to show that you know this is in our DNA but it's not always going to be if we're not intentional mm-hmm. and I think that's what's really powerful about you know what Just Serve does is that it's. It's an intentional way to make sure that we are passing down this DNA, this, you know, this frame of mind, this way of life, um, that this becomes who we are. I think it makes us unique politically as well, Mm -hmm. 
because, I mean, we've been recognized and, and Spencer and I talk to people all over the country and even all over the world where they say there's something, there's something about Utah. Um, we were just talking to an author, um, Richard Reeves. Uh, he wrote a really incredible book called Of Boys and Men, talking about the the issues that we're having with young boys and men who are dropping out of the labor mm-hmm. market, not feeling like there's a place for them in this world, and right. they're gravitating gravitating toward different more destructive things, um, more destructive political ideologies, all these things. Anyway, he was saying, Utah, there's something about Utah and it's, it's doing that. And I, I think it's that. I, I, again, I couldn't agree more. It's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet, but, but the, the power and the impact of service is truly quite formidable when you see what really occurs, not just in the life of the individual that is served, but the, quite candidly in, in the life of the person who did the service and how powerful an impact that, that has on them. Uh, your efforts with, with teachers is, is phenomenal, and I, and I love seeing what's going on in the schools. And, and when we can get uh, our youth to serve, it's far more likely they're going to serve as adults. And so the better we can get into that, that uh, the better we can help our young men and women understand that the value of service in their lives, the better off we're going to be. I've got a dear friend who, who has uh, a couple of boys who struggle with anxiety, and, and, um, but they look forward to their opportunities to go serve because it gets them outside of themselves and it gives them the opportunity to be able to do something that they wouldn't normally get to do and they actually enjoy the, the opportunities. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely true. It helps with our mental health. It helps with our physical health. All the things. We mm-hmm. all know it's great. Um, there's also, when we talk about Just Serve, and we've talked, we've kind of mentioned the opportunities to, that we can find there to serve. Maybe just talk a little bit more about the nonprofits or, or organizations that are needing volunteers. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, and and thank you. So you're absolutely right. So we're always looking for partnering organizations, and uh, we've got organizations from the from the very large to uh, United Way to the very small, uh, um, and and there are any number of them. And, and we mentioned you know Tiny Tim's, which started off small, but he's now grown quite a bit to everything in between. And so, if you have an organization that is in need of volunteers, uh, just serve as a great platform to incorporate and engage so that we can help you in your cause or in your effort to find volunteers. Now, a couple of things that we don't do. Uh, we don't do political campaigning, nor do we raise money. Uh, we don't raise money for people, but we will. We can provide all the – well, we can help provide all the volunteers that we can help you find for, for any particular project you've got. So we've got lots of opportunities out there. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect way to sort of match mm-hmm. – Volunteers, I, I I get, you know, talking to people all over the state and think, you know, I'd love to get involved. I'd love to do this. You know, they come to, what can I do? And I, and again, I I send them to to places like Thank Just you. Serve to say, <laughs> you. you know, there's there's ways to do this. And you know, we've used it to find volunteers for our teacher conference. We've mm-hmm. used it. You know, our show up organization has has used it to to find volunteers that we need when we need to plug in. We we used it when we were looking to help you know, find people to sort through the donations that came in for the Ukrainian refugees. 
um, it, you know, we put out a call and there was just warehouse full of because, again, Utahns are not only do they volunteer, they are very generous in their giving um, their, their resources as well. And we just had a, an enormous warehouse full of donations that we needed volunteers to sift through. So we we used it then. And it's 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 a powerful tool for organizations, for nonprofits, as well as individuals and families. So we love it. And maybe that brings us full circle because, you know, uh, again, I applaud applaud your efforts. Not only are you promoting the whole idea of service, but you're exemplifying it. And you, you didn't ask me to say that, but I, I just I, I candidly believe that, you know, this team that you've put together to promote this whole concept is really, really impressive and doing great work. Well, thank you. We 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 admire your work as well, and we love Just Serve and and we're going to keep working on this together. So yeah, I, I appreciate so. you being here and talking about it today. My pleasure. You can find more information at justserve.org, also mentorsinternational.org, and 911day.org. Thanks for being a friend.